This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Instant reaction, Clash of Champions 2020. I think they had a subtitle for it too. Gold Rush. Every match was for one of their many, many championships. And the close of the show, and I'm glad this was the close of the show because they could have closed with Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre in that ambulance match for the WWE Championship, or they could have closed with this, which is Roman Reigns, not surprising to anybody, retaining the Universal Championship. But the reason why I'm thrilled they close with this and they have to close with this is because the best thing going in the WWE right now, and I know you could joke and say, well, what's the bar for the best thing going in the WWE? But far and away, the most compelling thing they have on their TV right now is Roman freaking Reigns. And I've never thought I would ever utter that sentence, ever. I mean, I I was sick of Roman Reigns the way everybody was sick of Roman Reigns. I, I was sick of Roman Reigns, you know, five minutes into the make Roman look strong push that started, you know, a decade ago or however many years ago it was. But they have got it right. And when Roman first came back at the end of SummerSlam and we did an instant reaction for that, and I said, oh, it's exciting. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I have no idea. And then that dramatic end to SmackDown, uh, the the one SmackDown, I guess, between SummerSlam and the next event, Payback, was so brilliant. The drama, putting him next to Paul Heyman. And for the last, however many weeks it's been, four weeks, five weeks, I, I, I find myself making sure I get SmackDown on that night. You know, maybe it's an hour or two late on DVR with all the baseball and the basketball and everything that's been going on, the Islander run. But I make sure... I watch it quickly because I want to see what they're doing. And I want to see Roman the heel. And I know there aren't fans in the stands to know if if the fans are truly booing him or it's just those screens in the Thunderdome that the WWE probably has a lot of control over. But as an audience member sitting at home, it's freaking working. Because they've got the combination of three things going on right out of perfection. Number one, Paul Heyman's great. And I think most of us want to see whatever Paul Heyman is involved in. Number two, Roman's a badass. He's gone from being this, I'm so sick of him. I'm so sick of you pushing him down our throat to him being a badass. And then the third part is they actually made this storyline interesting. Because when I first saw Jey Uso get involved in the number one contenders match and then actually win it, I was like, what the hell is this? Jey Uso is going to fight for the Universal Championship? But... The family storyline and Roman's obsession with acknowledge me as your tribal chief, whatever. I guess that's his new nickname, by the way. And I supply the the food for the family, all that crap. 
I love it. I got to tell you, I find it interesting. I mean, I knew Roman was going to win tonight. We all knew Roman was going to not drop the Universal Championship to Jey Uso. But I was curious, like, how are they going to play this out? I thought maybe it'd be a squash. Maybe Roman would just destroy him. It was a, you know, it was sort of a squash. But, you know, Jay got some offense in. There were a few moments where they made you think, oh, my God, is Jey Uso really going to win the title? Not that you actually thought Jey Uso was going to win the title. But they have gone full-blown with Roman, not just as a badass, but a violent, obsessive badass. They are making heel Roman Reigns awesome. Now, does that mean if there were people in the stands, people would be cheering him because he's so awesome? Maybe. And that's okay sometimes. You know, badasses get cheered. That's the way it's been. But they took Jey Uso, who's been a tag team competitor for a million years, and I think they've made this storyline fascinating. And I had my eyes glued to the main event. I mean, it was also glued to Celtics Heat, but, you know, it was, it was. I've got the Saints-Packer game on DVR. That's why my eyes weren't glued to that, too. There's only so many things my brain can kind of comprehend all at the same time. But I love it. I'm eating it up. Now, here's the important thing about this. And I'm going to spend a lot of time, probably most of this podcast is Roman Reigns in that storyline. I'll get to some of the other matches, McIntyre, Orton, and the other matches on this card. The one thing they are setting up, and I don't know if they're setting it up, but they should be setting up with all this Roman family stuff, is the end game's got to be The Rock. Now, I don't know if The Rock is on board with fighting another match, like a real wrestling match, not a 30-second sideshow match. Like, would he actually come back and do what he did with John Cena, because the John Cena stuff was years ago now. I mean, think about it. We're going to be up to WrestleMania 37. We're talking about eight years ago. So even that return that The Rock gave us, which was a mini return, is a long time ago. And I watched a video of him, I guess it was the other day, where he came out and endorsed a presidential candidate, but he looks bigger than ever. I mean, my God. So I don't know if this is the end game. Okay. I don't know if this is what the WWE has in their back pocket, but they are writing this storyline. And as somebody at home, that's that's the end game. You know, with Roman being so obsessed about being the, the head of the family and the tribal chief, and I guess they could drag out the Jey Uso, other Uso storyline with them specifically, maybe for another month or so. But eventually, Roman's got to have an opponent at WrestleMania that gives you a pop, that just gives you a pizam. Sazam. Well, what's the word pizam? I don't even know. Sazam, kazam, whatever. And it ain't Bray Wyatt. I'm sorry. I know they're keeping Bray away for a while. And while The Fiend versus Roman Reigns will be cool at some point, that's not WrestleMania. And I've always said this, when you're in September, I, I always think SummerSlam too, but when you're in September, October, November, you got to be thinking ahead, okay, what's my end game for WrestleMania? There is only one end game for this WrestleMania and that's The Rock. Because it makes sense. Because it fits. Because right now, Roman Reigns is a megastar who's got to hold on to that strap for a long time. And the only one that can give you that kind of the end of, not the end of the story, because I'm not saying after WrestleMania, Roman's got to go back to being a, you know, a cheesy face or anything like that. But all of this fits an endgame with The Rock. I don't know if the WWE has that already planned or penciled in or booked, but that's what it's got to be.
I think they could drag the Uso stuff out for a little bit longer. Eventually, you're going to have to move on from that. But I think even if Roman, you know, is feuding with obviously a non-family member, he could still continue to push that aspect of him. But I love it, man. I got to tell you, I like the Roman Reigns stuff. His character needed this in the worst way possible. And it's, it's funny because it also makes me think, and as I was watching the main event, I was thinking about this. What if they did this, A, a few years earlier when they should have? And what if they did this for John Cena? Because we all thought that. You know, at some point in the midst of John Cena's never-ending run as Super Cena, they needed to turn him heel. And he would have been good at it. You know, we all know that. I mean, John Cena's great. I think Roman Reigns has proven that right now. They'll be good at it. And so I was thinking about that during the main event. A, should they have done this years ago with Roman? And B, going back even further, how they could have done it with John Cena? Because I've always thought, you know, whenever I uh, would talk with friends, I don't think I had a podcast at the time, but talk with other fellow wrestling fans about how you would turn John Cena heel it always made sense to align him with Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman is the perfect guy to just put put you next to him, have him do most of the talking, and that's how you could turn heel. I had one idea for how to turn John Cena heel, and it was similar to how they tried to turn Steve Austin heel. When Steve Austin turned heel at 17, and he aligned himself with Vince McMahon, the aspect I liked about the close of that match is that Steve Austin was desperate to become champion and he became so violent, you know, hitting the rock with a million chair shots and all that before he finally got the victory. And they stuck with that for a while, but then Steve Austin became cheesy and he was singing with Kurt Angle. I always thought that's how they could have done it with John Cena, that John Cena just became obsessed with being the WWE champion and became like an ultra-violent, all-I'll-do-anything-to-become-champion kind of thing. But... Whatever, that's all past. But good end to the show. I'm glad that they main evented it. I was concerned it would be McIntyre-Orton. As far as the McIntyre-Orton match is, is concerned, I hope it's closure to the feud. I hope that we can move Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton away from each other. Was the match good? It was what it was. It was an ambulance match. And they needed to have kind of the cameo appearances from the big show, from Christian, from Shawn Michaels, from Ric Flair... You know, kind of bringing the whole thing together. I was waiting for Edge, though. You know, I I know Edge is a long ways away from returning. I'm not sure he could do much. But if you were going to go with the whole everybody's getting their revenge on Randy Orton thing, wouldn't Edge be the perfect guy? But it was what it was. I I just hope it ends the feud. And we can move Drew McIntyre somewhere else. Maybe it's Keith Lee. I'm not sure. But the match was, you know, it served its purpose in that Drew defended the title. And he's on a long run now, too, as WWE champion. I wonder what the end game for him is. And it served the purpose of kind of putting the bow on the Randy Orton was taking cheap shots at Big Show Christian and Ric Flair over the last month. You know, gave you enough violence, gave you the Claymore kick that he missed that ripped off the ambulance door, which was kind of cool. It was, a, it was all right. It was fine. Look, the best match of the night, and this proves a point I've made many times, was this Sami Zayn, AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy triple threat ladder match. And here's the point I've made a thousand times. And I've done this on some of the retrospectives I've done with uh, Dennis has a podcast who joins me on that. And that is Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10 was a great match. No one's questioning it. I understand its importance in history, but it doesn't hold up. That's what I've always said. It doesn't hold up. 
And the reason it doesn't hold up is these freaking ladder matches that we see today, they it's the Sean Razor match on crack steroids and every drug you could think of times 50. So Sean Razor served an amazing purpose at WrestleMania 10. Don't get me wrong. But go back. Listen, if you're bored, if you have no life whatsoever, go back after watching Zayn Styles Hardy and watch Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10 and then tell me, yeah, they're on the same level. They're not on the same level. I mean, you got Jeff Hardy doing a swanton from the top of like this gigantic ladder with Sami Zayn laying on a ladder. All of these ladder matches top each other. I'm not ripping Sean and Razor. Again, what they did was great. It's just that these ladder matches are, I mean, they've taken it to another level. And they got creative. They got very creative with the Sami Zayn (laughs) taking the handcuffs out. And when he took the handcuffs out, I was thinking, how come guys haven't done this throughout ladder matches forever? You know, why not lock the guy up so then you just climb the ladder, get your title, get the hell out of there. I remember Rock Triple H at IC title SummerSlam 98, Highway to Hell, Madison Square Garden. And I think, didn't The Rock like fall on the ropes, get stuck in Triple H, climb the ladder or something like that? I'm trying to remember. There's been a lot of great ladder matches over the years, and this was a good one. It's a great way to start the show. And Sami Zayn's Intercontinental title matters. I think it makes sense because AJ Styles doesn't need a title at this point. AJ's a stud. He's a star. He should probably be in the main event picture. I think he makes sense in the main event picture. You know, he it's always weird, and this has become common over the last 20 years, for a former champion to go backwards and take a mid-card title. And the first time I ever remember it happening was Triple H with Steve Austin when... They did the two-man power trip that lasted 35 seconds. Triple H won the IC title. And I remember even thinking then, boy, doesn't that IC title look weird on Triple H? The guy was just WWE champion. You know, five minutes ago, he's the game. Triple. Now he's the IC champion. So it made sense to, to not have AJ win it. Jeff Hardy can still do these incredible, incredible things. But Sami Zayn is the chicken-ass heel who's smart and creative to let me um, handcuff my opponents to the rope or to a ladder. He makes sense as IC champion. (laughs) I got to tell you what cracked me up, though. When when he, if you didn't see this, I don't know how many people don't watch the wrestling and then listen to this podcast. I mean, maybe you do. I I have no idea. I don't don't know who listens to this, to be perfectly honest. But if you didn't see it, Sami Zayn puts the handcuff through the ear of Jeff Hardy because the ear was, you know, he had a pierce, so there's a hole in his ear. And that part was weird. I'm not saying I was laughing at that part. What I was laughing at is when Jeff Hardy is like trying, he's holding the ladder that his ear is handcuffed to, and he's moving around trying to stop Sami Zayn from climbing the ladder. I don't know why. You could totally make a... GIFs out of that. I'm telling you. It just it made me laugh. But it was a very good match with a good outcome. Oscar Zelina Vega, who gives a damn? Oscar retained the women's title, we all know. Lashley against Apollo Cruz, U.S. title, who gives a damn? Lashley retained, we all knew. The Street Profits Andrade Garza match. And, and I got to admit, these last three matches I was barely watching. I had it on my iPad, but I was focused on 
uh, the football that was going on, that was still going on. Not the Jets, they suck. Not the Giants, they suck. But, and maybe they're they're doing something with this that I don't understand, but Andrade clearly gets up at two, and the ref calls, no, he didn't get up three counts, Street Profits win. I don't know if it's the WWE saying, hey, we know the NBA refs suck, we know the NFL refs suck, we know home plate umpires suck, let's show you that we too have garbage officials. Or there's something else going on that I didn't see coming. Bailey was supposed to fight Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross couldn't fight. She said, I'll fight anybody. Asuka comes out. So now we've got Bailey putting the SmackDown women's title on the line against Asuka, who just fought earlier. I, this was all set up, obviously, for Sasha Banks to show up. So the Sasha Bailey feud is continuing. They haven't had a match yet. She's still selling that neck injury. So maybe they hold off till Survivor Series before they finally give that to you. Overall, the show, eh, it was all right. I mean, honestly, I end up judging these shows based on two matches. I judge it based on the main event and if there was something in the midst that was entertaining. The main event worked for me. I would have liked Roman to get a one, two, three, but I get what they would do when he just beats the crap out of Jey Uso and Little Nate has to stop the match. So how many titles changed hands tonight, now that I'm thinking about it? Because this is Clash of Champions, Gold Rush. Every title's on the line. If I guess only one, just the IC title. Even though technically, according to Sami Zayn, that didn't switch hands because he was already Intercontinental Champion. Now, one thing about Clash of Champions. Can I state the obvious? WWE. Can you put the the back in Clash of Champions? I mean... You own all of these great WCW names. You do. You got Starcade. You got Halloween Havoc. You got World War III. You got Bash at the Beach. You got Great American Bash. You got all this great stuff at your disposal. You can use it anytime. For some reason, you know, you don't use Starcade except for some glorified house show you put on WWE Network. You don't use Bash at the Beach. You don't use Halloween Havoc. I, I understand why you wouldn't use World War III. Was that not the dumbest idea for a match in the history of pro wrestling? Three rings, 60 guys. I mean, what the hell was that? But whatever. You do use War Games. That's great. And you take Clash of Champions, Clash of the Champions, and you bastardize it by taking the the out, and you're calling it Clash of Champions. Why? Like, is that Vince's way of saying, see, we're not WCW. It's Clash of Champions. Dude, Clash of the Champions has some great moments, man. That was on TBS at like 735. I remember how TBS always had the 35 going on. You had so many great moments from Clash of the Champions, and you're using the name. You've decided you can call this show anything you want. You could call it anything. You've had a billion different pay-per-view names over the years. And so you obviously decide, you know, I like Clash of the Champions. I'm going to use it. But you take the the out and you call it Clash of Champions. Why? Is there a reason for it? Am I missing it? And by the way, think about this. All right? Do me a favor. This is your homework assignment for all the other geeky wrestling fans out there. What WCW pay-per-view name is a must to bring back? Okay? 
Starcade's the granddaddy of them all, so maybe you lean towards Starcade, but maybe you feel the WWE's already bastardized that enough by having a house show called Starcade. So maybe Starcade's dead to you. I don't know. Is it Bash at the Beach? Is it Hog Wild or Road Wild? Is it Super Brawl? Is it Halloween Havoc? Have I said that yet? Is it World War Three? Is it Sin? <laughs> I think they only had like one Sin. So think about that. Great American Bash they already brought back. So that's out. So forget Great American Bash. What would it be? And how would the WWE ruin it? So Halloween Havoc, they would do something to screw up Halloween Havoc. Anyhow, thanks for listening to this edition, the instant reaction clash of champions edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. If you want to hear actual sports, Joe and I have a lot of bad sports to talk about. The Giants honeymoon is over. The Jets continue to suck. And the Yankees are going to try to hope that their close to the regular season means nothing. We're on Monday through Friday at 2 o'clock on the fan. So hopefully you'll take a listen. If not, screw you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.